Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, we're going to go right out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in my good friend Sam Gordon uh, and my colleague over at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Um, Sam, how are you doing? Uh, where'd you go on your vacation? Did we did we go back to Minneapolis, get some uh, cool weather? And, and if so, what was the weather like in Minneapolis? Yeah, Vinny, how you doing? Uh, beautiful, beautiful summer in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. It was great to be back. Um, I had the chance, I remember one time when we talked, I was at, I was at the J, we're known as Progressive Field, and I had the chance to go check out a ball game at the beautiful Target Field, a little Twins Reds action last week. So all in all, it was a great trip. Um, beautiful weather, a nice break from the 110, 115, the sweltering temperatures of Las Vegas, but, but happy to be back um, and, and getting in my group uh, as we get ready here uh, for the last month before training camp. Um, all right, so we are, th- what were we, four weeks away, um, what is it today, it's the end of the 28th, we're less than four weeks away from the official um, opening of training camp, uh, the Raiders uh, veterans report on uh, July 27th, it's literally right around the corner, um, I can't believe it, uh, I love it, um, as the roster sits today, Sam, do you feel like the, the the Raiders are good to go. Uh, is there anything that's that's glaring at you that needs to be addressed, um, or that you're super super concerned with, or do you feel pretty good about where this roster is right now? Yeah, I think I think all things considered, I, I feel pretty good. Now that doesn't mean there aren't a couple question marks, right? Uh, offensive line, I think we're going to have to see how that unit gels, uh, how some of the young players step up and how they emerge uh, filling in, now replacing uh, the great veterans that, that were part of this offensive line for so long. And I think, you know, as we talk about about the course of the summer, um, or the spring, rather, spring, summer, early part of the summer, uh, the secondary, right? But when you look at it from a talent perspective, uh, I mean, it, it feels like they've addressed, they've addressed the hole. And all of a sudden, you have depth on your defensive line. Uh, you bring back a linebacking core that is solid, was solid last year, and you figure it could be even better this year. Uh, you go out and you address the, the defensive backfield. You add depth. You create competition. Uh, I think we know what to expect from, from, from D.C. coming off of the year that he had last year where he performed like a, a top eight, top ten quarterback. Uh, you have multiple running backs that you can go to. Josh Jacobs, of course, in his third year, uh, healthy again. And then a proven uh, feature back, right, in Kenyon Drake, a guy who's been a feature back the last few years. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that tandem looks, but no concerns there. And then the skill position players, uh, Darrell Waller, one of the best in the league. Uh, Henry Ruggs, you expect uh, him to be better uh, in year two. Brian, same with Brian Edwards. Hunter Renfro comes back as a, a solid option in the slot. And then you have depth behind those guys, Willie Sneed, uh, John Brown, Zay Jones. You know, we'll see how those guys develop. But when I, when I look at the roster, there's not necessarily a glaring weakness. Now, that doesn't mean every unit is going to be a strength. I, I don't expect the Raiders to be world beaters this year. But all things considered, I think they, they did a good job of addressing uh, the weaknesses and, and at least doing a uh, uh, themselves a favor and showing them up. Uh, the addition of Gus Bradley, I think, we, we, not, I'm not sure exactly what to expect from this defense, but I think it's going to be better. But, yeah, all things considered, I, I like where this roster sits. I think it's going to be an improved roster. I think the record's going to bear that out. I don't know if that necessarily means a playoff berth, but you look at this team, and I don't think there are necessarily any glaring weaknesses from 
you know, from each unit. Maybe, you know, positionally, we have, to, we have to find out who wins some of these position battles. But overall, I think it's a much more talented and a more experienced roster in 2021 than it was in 2020. Okay, um, you say maybe not world beaters. Totally understand that. Not expecting the Raiders to, to you know, win the Super Bowl uh, this year. Um, but... You know, there's world beaters, and then there's you know that that next level down, and a level down from that as well. As you forecast the season, assuming there's no glaring injuries, um, you know, to some key key players, maybe not world beaters, but where do you think they slide in uh, in this AFC uh, race? I think I think this is a team that that has the requisite talent, and to and now again the experience. Well, I think that the expectation should be competing for a wild card berth, right? And what is that going to look like in 2021 with that 17 game? I'm not, I'm not sure. I think we're going to have to kind of see how the season plays out to, to figure to, before we have an understanding of how that 17 game impacts these races and whatnot. But let's take a look at the last two years, right? This is a team that was in the wild card mix going into December each of the last two seasons, and that the AFC last I checked was still really good the last couple of years, and it wasn't like it's. You know, it wasn't like it was bad. It's always been, a, at least the last few years, been a stronger conference, and the Raiders have been right there. So uh, when you take a look at the schedule, now, as we know, it's a challenging schedule. Uh, there, there, there aren't necessarily any guineas, as you would say. They're going to have to play well in order to earn that playoff berth. But I think 9-8, 10-7, you take a look at how the schedule breaks out, um, is a reasonable goal and a reasonable expectation. And, it, you know, maybe 10-7 maybe gets you in the playoffs. Maybe it's 9-8. Maybe it's 11-6. But I firmly expect... Uh, this team to be competing uh, with for, for a playoff berth with somebody with with the Tennessees of the world, right? With with Indianapolis, uh, with Pittsburgh. I think on that tier of teams, they should be right there in the mix uh, in terms of competing for a playoff berth, and uh, the, 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 that's that's I think that should be the expectation based on what we seen last couple years and based on all the moves this team has made. So uh, that you you would think that this offense, being that it was at a top ten level last year, can 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 duplicate that. And if the defense improves from, you know, bottom five to even middle of the pack, that should be good enough to be in the mix for a playoff berth, you know, coming out of the stretch. We're talking to uh, our, my good friend Sam uh, Gordon from uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal, my teammate. Um, always respect everything that he does, and you can um, catch everything that he does, uh, whether you want to download the app Vegas Nation uh, or go to the site VegasNation.com. There's also the Las Vegas Review Journal. Um, on on uh, go to go to the site uh, to read all of his coverage, boxing. Um, the WNBA is doing a fantastic job. UNLV, the Raiders, uh, Sam wears many, many hats and wears them all uh, really, really well. Um, Sam, uh, Vic Tafer from uh, The Athletic wrote an uh, article today. He was kind of, I don't know if it was more of a headline thing or the story thing. I, I read through it, uh, through his story, but the gist of it was, was that Derek Carr could be facing a make or break year. Uh, he's got two years left on his contract. And the insinuation was, the gist was, he really needs to, you know, put the team on his shoulders, maybe get to the playoffs, deliver a really good year in order to protect his future um, stake here in Las Vegas, here with the Raiders. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think that if the defense holds up in the, uh, its end of the bargain, it's going to help Derek Carr along with that cause in terms of making the playoffs, securing his future here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you never know. And, um, you know, he still does only have two years left on his contract. There's no more guaranteed money left on that contract. Where do you stand on where Derek Carr fits into things, not just presently, but moving forward? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, I think you can just take a look at his play. Um, you know, the last several seasons, he's been he's been fairly consistent, right? He uh, you're you're good for about four thousand yards, twenty five to thirty touchdowns. He's going to complete a high percentage of his passes, uh, and he's he's pretty durable, right? Outside of uh, the the twenty sixteen season, he breaks it right there um, towards the end of the year or whatever broken ankle, whatever that exact injury was, and then twenty seventeen he missed the game. But he's been very very reliable, and, and he's been available, reliable. I think for the most part he's played at a at a, at a high level. Now that said, uh, I, I don't think it's you know it's not exactly breaking news that he's the kind of quarterback where you would need pieces around him in order to bring out the best in him. You need, like you said, a a, a strong defense or at least a a defense that doesn't that doesn't give up uh, 150 yards a game on the ground and, and get, have quarter, give quarterbacks all day to throw like the the unit last year. But if you if you give him a quality defense. Uh, and you give him playmakers around him. I think he, he's he's proven what he can do, and uh, and his production and his play and his leadership have been one of the constants uh, amongst the turn the turnover in this organization the last several years. Now that said, um, I do think yeah, a, play, a playoff berth I think would solidify his standing here as the Raiders quarterback the next few years. And, and depending on um, how he performs, if he duplicates what what he did last season and plays at that level and with that consistency. Uh, depending, you know, even if the defense doesn't hold up its end of the bargain, if, if he plays at a high level, I think, I think he's still in solid standing uh, moving forward. Because if you want to move up a guy, you got to figure well, who are you going to replace him with, right? And yes, there's been a number of rookie quarterbacks that have come in and, and been really, really good right away. And I think it's easier to have success at that position uh, from day one uh, now than it was in the past, based on some of the rule changes and based on some of the situations these guys are lining up in. But there are quarterbacks, there's not just upgrades floating around out there. Like It's not like you can just go find a quarterback that's automatically better than Derek Carr. He's been really, really good for quite some time, and I think um, he gets a little bit of an unfair rap. Uh, football's a team sport. You have the quarterbacks like the Patrick Mahomes, like the Tom Brady's of the world, the Aaron Rodgers, that can go out there and win you games that you're not supposed to win, but those guys are few and far between, and even you take a look at the supporting cast that they've had out throughout the course of their careers and the defenses they've played with uh, and the situation they've been in, they've always had help around them, and, and Derek Carr hasn't always been in that situation. So make or break um, feels like a little bit of a stretch. I don't know if it's necessarily make or break, but at the same time, I do think there's a sense of urgency uh, within the organization. And, of course, from Derek Carr, I mean, he's as competitive as they come. He wants to make the playoffs. And if he makes the playoffs this year, has the team in contention, and, and does what he's supposed to do, uh, I think I think he's um, you know going to position himself to, to continue to be the franchise quarterback here you know, for the next few years moving forward. Talking to Sam Gordon, uh, you can follow him at by Sam Gordon. Um, he covers uh, the Raiders along with a lot of other stuff uh, for the Las Vegas yeah. Review Journal. Um, as you look at the AFC West, uh, the Chargers always kind of talk about the Chargers. There's always seems to be a lot of talent. They always seem to be on the cusp of turning the corner. Obviously, we know uh, what the Kansas City Chiefs are all about. Um, what worries you and concerns you in the AFC West? Well, uh, the Chiefs the Chiefs are going to be really, really tough again, right? Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, all those skill position players. The Super Bowl contender, you would think, as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy. Um, but other than that, I, I, I see the Raiders as probably the second-best team in the division. Uh, I, I really like Justin Herbert. I think he's an emerging star, and that's not a secret. He was incredible last year. But you're dealing with a first-year head coach. You, 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 they've addressed that offensive line, but we have to see how that offensive line um, plays out and what that defense looks like uh, with their new head coach, being that, that 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 old staff is out of there. So, like you said, the Chargers have become kind of developed as a, a reputation that a very talented team that never seems to live up to that talent. And as far as Denver's concerned, 
Uh, until they until they solidify that starting quarterback and get a franchise quarterback in there, I don't think that the Raiders have much to be worried about by the way of the Broncos. So I do expect the Chargers to be better, right? They they have, I, I did like what they did in the draft and some of the moves they made in free agency, but I'm the same thing except for the Raiders. They made upgrades too. I mean these uh, they they I believe also got better and, and they were the second place team. The Raiders were the second place team in this division a year ago. So I'd expect it to play out the same way, right? Like the Chiefs we know are gonna be there as a Super Bowl contender. But there are still too many unknowns in, in L.A. and in Denver for me to definitively say that I think they're going to be better than the Raiders. And uh, when you take a look at the division matchups, of course, these teams all know each other very, very well. You never know what can happen in a rivalry game, as we saw with the Raiders going into Arrowhead Stadium uh, a year ago and, and upsetting the Chiefs and handing them their, their only home loss uh, of the season. You, you never know what can happen. But on paper, when, when I take a look at these rosters, I, st- I think the Raiders, uh, all things considered, uh, should be the second best team in this division, and uh, whether that means nine and eight, ten and seven, eleven and six, I'm not sure. But I would think, given what they have now, that the balance that they have on both sides of the ball, you would figure that they're going to be still be better than Chargers uh, and Denver. Um, not won't be concerned with Denver unless they they somehow maybe make a move for Aaron Rodgers. If that trade happens, we're having a different conversation. But right now, too much uncertainty at quarterback for them uh, to be taken seriously. Is there a team in the NFL that you think people are sleeping on, Sam Gordon? Ooh, a team in the NFL that I think people are sleeping on. Oh, geez. That is a good question. How about the Minnesota Vikings? How about the Minnesota Vikings? I, I, maybe that's just the, the hometown of me talking, but they address their offensive line. I like what they did in the draft. They address their offensive line. They go out there and get Christian Derrissaw. That was a, a, an area of weakness for this team for the last several years, even when they were making those playoff runs with Kirk Cousins. Uh, their skill position players are as good as any in the league with Justin Jefferson, with Adam Thielen. With Dalvin Cook, that is a big-time trifecta on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, they get the new Hunter back. Yeah, one of the best defensive players in football, they were not they were not good last year on that side of the ball. It was the worst defense Mike Zimmer had. Uh, but you had your big-time pass rusher back. Uh, you get um, you get healthy again on that side of the ball. And Mike Zimmer's proven to be a really good defensive coach throughout the course of his career. So I don't know if they're a sleeper in the sense that I don't think they're going to necessarily make a Super Bowl run, but I think they will pretty bad last year given the talent they had on the roster and with a better defense and a better offensive line it's a team that I can see making a push for, for a wild card for, uh, in the NFC and, and maybe even winning the division depending on what happens with that Aaron Rodgers situation now he's there in Green Bay and I think that's what I would expect at this point in the offseason is still their division for the taking but the Vikings have made the playoffs before with Kirk Cousins as a quarterback and, and I think they're going to be better and the talent is, is obviously there so that would be a little bit of a sleeper team for me uh, in terms of making noise in the NFC wildcard race and in the NFC North. Sam, you cover the WNBA. You co- you're covering the uh, uh, Las Vegas Aces, doing a great job. Um, what do we know about the Aces uh, uh, to this point in the season? We know that they're as talented as any team in the league, if not the most talented team in the league, and that they are have not, now that they have, um, that now that the pieces are starting to click, I think it's the best offensive team in the league and has the tools and the potential to be the best defensive team in the league. I, I think you look last year, they were so reliant on Angel Wilson to, to carry a lot of the burden without Liz Cambage, without Kelsey Plum, and you know, she proved that she's the MVP of this league and can do that. But now I think there's so much more balance. And I think they're, they're starting to they, they know who the top seven players are, they know who to play when and who to go to when, and I think they're starting to have an understanding of, of how to beat teams in different ways. You know, one night it might be the post players, right? Another night it might be the bench comes in with, with Kelsey Plum and Derek Hamby and, and, and they have a big surge. Uh, it might be Chelsea Gray one night. There's so many, they have so many different ways 
they can beat you. And I think that's what, what we've learned through this this halfway point of the season. And, you know, players and coaches talk about they're still they're still room to grow and they still time to develop chemistry. I think that's true. This group, for all intents and purposes, has only been together for half a season, but. They, they are starting to figure out what their identity is, and their identity is that they have, they have multiple identities. They have multiple ways that they can beat you, and I think as the season rolls along, they get through the Olympic break, they're only going to solidify that, and come playoff time, I think they're the team to beat. Obviously, the Seattle Storm aren't going anywhere with Brianna Stewart, but the Aces are really, really good, and, and they're a fun team to watch. And I think for just basketball fans or people in Las Vegas who are looking for something to do or for a team to, to be interested in, the Aces are, are definitely uh, fun. a championship contender, and the games have a great atmosphere. So um, that, that's what we've known so far, right? We, we knew they were good last year. They've been good the past couple of years. they still got to get it done in the postseason. But the way they look, they don't have any, any glaring weaknesses. They could shoot it a little better, but they don't have any glaring weaknesses where I think every other team in the league, for the most part, does. They have an exploitable weaknesses and well, an exploitable weakness, and the Aces don't. Sam Gordon, you know we always appreciate the time uh, and the enlightenment. We really appreciate it. Um, take care of yourself. I'm sure we'll talk to you uh, down the road. Football season is right around the corner. Keep doing your thing um, with everything else that you cover. Uh, but, man, I can't wait for, uh, for the season to start and for us to really be chopping it up about games and all that kind of stuff, man. Thank you very much. Anytime, Vinny. I appreciate you having me. We'll talk soon. You got it. That's Sam Gordon. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bonner. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Our thanks again uh, to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Um, always does a great job shedding light on the Raiders and uh, everything else that, uh, that he covers. And we're definitely keeping an eye on the Aces. Uh, doing a great job uh, so far this year under Bill Lambeer. Um, now that I'm living in Las Vegas, I got a root, I guess, for Bill Lambeer. Oh, boy. When I was uh, working for the Lakers, uh, Bill Lambeer and the Pistons were certainly a thorn in the uh in the in the lakers side as were as as they were for many um uh, teams in the nba including the great michael jordan who people seem to forget uh kept getting um season his seasons ended by people like the detroit pistons and the boston celtics long before he ever sniffed uh the nba finals it's funny how people always forget that about michael jordan well he was six and zero in the finals yeah he was oh for seven the seven years before trying to get there and just to put it all in perspective uh magic johnson went to the nba finals his first year larry bird went to the nba finals his second year uh michael or larry magic johnson was in the finals nine out of his first 11 years he lived in the NBA Finals, so don't give me the nonsense that, oh, well, you know, um, just, he, he, yes, he was undefeated in the Finals. I give Michael Jordan that. He was arguably the best player in the NBA, no doubt about that. Uh, but this but this notion that he was a perfect player all the way through uh, just fails to, uh, to, uh, to really recognize the path and the journey that it took him. There's a reason why he was bawling his head off uh, in the locker room at the forum. And I was there uh, when he won his first NBA championship uh, because people don't know this now because, you know, unless you were there, it's almost impossible to know, but the growing pains, it took Michael Jordan and the bulls to finally win a championship after getting their heads handed to them by Larry bird and the Celtics um, and Isaiah Johnson and Bill Lambeer, uh, or excuse me, Isaiah uh, Thomas and, and Bill Lambeer and, and that crew from the, from the Detroit uh, uh, Pistons. It 
took a lot out of Michael Jordan uh, and the Bulls. There was talk, there were stories being written about, well, maybe he doesn't have what it takes to win a championship. Maybe he's not a championship player. Maybe he's just a guy that gets a bunch of stats. We've heard that before, haven't we? It's funny. And it was really, more than anything, Larry Bird and that crew had to, to phase out a little bit, and that's what happened. Larry got hurt. The back uh, injury really started plaguing him. Guys got older. Uh, the Detroit Pistons... Um, you know, started getting a little older. They started making some changes. Uh, and finally, uh, the Detroit Pistons were able to uh, to get the best of them. Um, so, you know, it happened, or excuse me, the Chicago Bills were, were finally able to get to the, the, the Detroit Pistons. So it happens. Uh, but it wasn't like Michael Jordan uh, just got in to the NBA and was winning right off the bat. That didn't happen. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation uh, listener line. Gangster Raider uh, wants to talk about the Raiders. And I guess Gangster Raider sounds like you took the uh, the story stadium tour. What do you think about Allegiant Stadium? Oh, man, it's the best. You know what I'm saying? It, I, I was, it was worth the wait. I, I watched every day on YouTube. You know, it's got shout out to Duntoff. Duntoff 67, 1967 on um, Instagram. And YouTube, he, he videoed this building, the stadium, every day since they broke ground, uh, Las Vegas local. And he he videotaped every day from them building the stadium. And I watched the videos. So to finally actually get up into the stadium, it was awesome. Plus, we was down here celebrating my um, girlfriend's Earth's birthday. And she took the stadium tour with me. And now she's officially Raider Nation. So if y'all can, I want y'all to wish her a, a happy birthday, Eartha, and a welcome, official welcome to the Raider Nation. Because after you finish the tour... That's what the um, tour guys tell you. Now you're officially part of the Raider Nation. And she got a little um, Raiders bring out mask and Raider hat, Raider everything now. So she's officially Raider Nation. And we also went to the um, Raiders Tavern and Grill. We went on Friday, and we liked it so much, we went again on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? I saw, I saw this guy up in there on Sunday, Benny. I thought it was you. I went up to him and uh, introduced myself, and he was like, nah, I wish I was, Benny. You know what I'm saying? The way you, the way you introduced yourself to me, I, I kind of wish I was. But he, he, looked, he had a twin. He was sitting up there with, um, you know, the um, Salute to Service Veterans. Um, oh, nice. Raider shirt. Yeah, he had on one of those, and he looked just like you. I thought, I said, ooh. I finally get the Raiders video here at the Raiders Tavern and Grill, you know what I'm saying? But oh, man, good. that would have been nice, Gangster Raider, for sure. Uh, I was not there on Sunday. It was funny, my family went there um, over the weekend, though, but uh, I was not there. But it, that's a cool place over there at the M Hotel, and no question. Yeah, everything's um, perfect. Everything's first class. We felt welcome. They treated us with respect, and the food's excellent. The wine, I mean, that's, that's why we went back on Sunday. The plan was just to only go once. But it was so good, we went back on Sunday. It would have went today if I wasn't leaving today. Matter of fact, I'm on the 15 right now, just past Boston on the way back. I just just left. Well, be careful, number one. Be careful, number one, uh, on the drive home. Uh, But real quick question. Did you get a chance to go over to the uh, uh, practice facility over there right down the street from uh, the M Hotel? No, that was the plan, too, but I ran out of time. We stayed at the casino too long um, today. So I didn't get a no chance doubt, to, no doubt. But I'll be back because I wanted to um I wanted to come up there Friday but I couldn't get through. You know, so I was gonna call and tell y'all because I was close. I was gonna come up there and tell y'all I was close to the facility. Oh, man, but I, nice. I didn't know I didn't know y'all switched the hours from three to five. I thought it was still four to six on Friday. So I started calling at four twenty because my tour was over at four twenty. So I started calling uh, okay. as soon as my yeah, tour was um, over. Yeah, because we do the uh, the L- the uh, Las Vegas uh, Aviators, the baseball team, the AAA baseball team plays right at. We, we do their broadcast, so they're on. They, they, their first pitch is uh, five twenty, I think, today. Um, wherever it is that they that, that they're playing. So, um, what was your favorite part of Allegiant Stadium? My favorite part was the locker room. 
to me, the locker room, then the field. And I got a question. Um, we got to get Tupac on picture up in there. They got Elvis and Marilyn Monroe, but Tupac was a Raider fan, and he died in Vegas. So we got to get a picture of Tupac up in there somewhere. That's my only complaint. But All right, I'll, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely run that one uh, up the flagpole. Uh, really appreciate it, Gangster Raider. Can't wait to see you during the regular season. We're going to do some, uh, you know, well, try to do some, some get-togethers. You hear me? Go ahead. Can I get a happy birthday and a welcome to Raider Nation from my girl, Eartha? Yep, absolutely. Happy birthday, Eartha. Uh, welcome to Raider Nation. Um, the, uh, the, the, the first of a long time uh, being part of Raider Nation. Really appreciate it. And happy birthday, Eartha. There you go, man. Really appreciate the call, uh, Gangster Raider. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Polo wants to talk about win totals. How you doing, Polo? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you were asking the question uh, about what our win total, loss total, and uh, sack totals will be for yep. this upcoming season. Uh, I think we'll make playoffs this year. I think we'll go 10 and 6 at least. Well, there's uh, 17 there's games. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm going to go and say 11 and 6. Okay, there you go. And, six. and uh, I have a lot of optimism for Gus Bradley's system coming in. Um, and I think that's what it's all going to depend on. I think the offense has been a playoff caliber offense for a while now. Uh, where our struggles are obviously are on defense. And anyone who doesn't see that doesn't pay attention. Um, I think that we lost a lot by letting letting uh, Buckner go and bringing in Marnelli. But, I mean, I understand he's Green's boy and everything. But I thought that that was – it wasn't a great decision because I think Buckner was a great coach. Um, yeah, I, yeah I don't think, that, I don't uh, think uh, it had anything to do – you know, I, I think they felt like – I. I'm not going to say that they kind of understood where this thing was all headed, but I think they understood where that, that there was a possibility of where this was all headed. Um, and when I say this, I mean you know Gus Bradley and and getting this staff together. And I think that I think this is the staff that that John Gruden truly wants. And I think the you know the, the thing with Rod Marinelli last year, um, you know it's it's hard to he's he's a veteran coach and he understands the chain of command and he was following the lead of Paul Gunther. And, um, there were some things that that defensive line did last year schematically that sometimes I would wonder, um, if that was Rod Marinelli's first choice, or if he was just simply following the orders uh, of, of Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator. Um, but I think now with Gus Bradley and the familiarity that he has with, with Gus Bradley, um, you know, they, they, they have a close relationship. I think there's going to be better synergy uh, between those two, and I think that's going to be reflected um, in how that unit plays. And I think Rod Marinelli is as good as it gets on the defensive line, nothing against um, the previous coach. Uh, but I think when you get a chance to bring in somebody uh, of that of that caliber, somebody who, who, who has a track record of developing players and getting the most out of players, um, I think it stands to reason that you, you do it. And then also, when you, when you now put him in... Uh, in the same picture as a Gus Bradley, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and we'll see. Uh, now his his unit has to perform. Uh, that's the bottom line. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation uh, listener line. Mitch wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Mitch? Hey, how's it going, Vinny? How's everything? I'm doing good, thanks. Hey, doesn't it seem... Well, first of all, I just saw uh, Zupek now is in the outfit for the Clippers. Yep. What else can go wrong for this team? I mean... You know, it was funny after you, I spoke to you Friday and you told me about the thing, uh, the small world that it is. But 
how um, how he became a tenant at Second Banana. They always be Second Banana to, to the Lakers. Right. Lo- the Lakers? Oh, no, wait. Somebody sold 20% of the Lakers to two... Minari yeah, Minari. Uh, Phil Anschutz, uh, who owns Staples Center um, and owns the Kings, AEG, Phil Anschutz, uh, had a stake in the Lakers, um, and he sold it, and he sold it to uh, the group that owns the Dodgers. So the uh, the, the Dodger ownership group uh, has purchased Phil's minority stake of the, uh, of, of, of the uh, Lakers. And I want to say that Based on valuations, I think the Lakers were are valued up and above five billion dollars. So whatever the stake was that that Phil sold, I think it was sold for like one point five billion dollars. So do that math for a second. It's crazy that a minority stake went for one point five billion dollars. I'm going to double check to make sure that that's accurate. Minority, yeah, a minority stake. That's incredible. Uh, is it? I, I always thought it was like a law, like uh, one owner can own more than one team. That's just in the same sport. No, it, yes, you can, but it has to all be in the same city. As Magic like, Johnson has mentioned, has partnership with both the Lakers and Dodgers already. I mean, a small percentage. Um, yeah, they. He has. He. I, I think he still has. I don't know if he still has a stake in the Lakers. To be honest with you, um, I'd have to. I'd have to check that. But what I'm saying is, um, like you, like for instance, uh, the owner of the Rams. Um, owns or his fa- he 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 did own um the, the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche in Denver right he had to he had to um transfer ownership of those two teams to his son i think daughter too or uh his 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 children in order for him to to be able to um you know uh buy the rams when he did in St. Louis um so if that makes any sense, so you you can do it, but you have to. It it all has to be within the same city. You can't own an NFL team in Dallas and own the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota. And Minnesota, the city of Minnesota has to be kicking themselves when the Lakers go. I had to win. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was. Right. That was kind of bound to happen because there wasn't anything going on. I mean, the West Coast was so vacant and, um, uh, you know, um, it was it was inevitable that that uh, expansion and teams were going to start moving out West in all sports. That's what, you know, it was not too long after the Brooklyn Dodgers moved uh, to Los Angeles and the San Francisco or the New York Giants moved to San Francisco. So teams were westward bound. And um, and I think for in the long haul. That was the right decision for <laughs> for the Lakers, no question. Well, for Vegas, yeah, they got to expand. Hopefully, uh, teams like I heard somebody say that Michael Jordan would be perfect to bring his team to Vegas, and then you have the Pelicans with that. <laughs> and just two things. I know I've taken a lot of your time. Um, doesn't it seem like uh, Dominic should have been a Raider. The most I know the most talented. A lot of plays get the last cup of coffee with the Raiders. I've always known. You go, you know, you go, you can name uh, hundreds of plays that. You know, their main forte was with other teams, and they finished their careers with the Raiders. And something that happened with Derek Carr, I still think um, they have a pretty good backup quarterback. I think he would start for um, he would start for, for Denver at least, and then quite a few other teams. So that, yeah, that's I, I agree with you. I think the Raiders' quarterback situation is is pretty darn good uh, from top to bottom. With uh, Derek Carr as a starter, obviously, and Marcus Mariota uh, as, as the backup. Um, uh, so there's, you know, um, I, 
I don't think, you know, Derek, Derek Carr is a warrior. I mean, he's missed just a couple of games in his career. Um, came back from that injury uh, against the Chargers to start the very next game. Uh, I think what I want to say was against the Miami Dolphins. Um or vice versa. I can't remember exactly how that all played out, but uh, but you know, I, I think if something were to happen to Derek Carr, the Raiders are in good shape with Marcus Mariota. But I also believe, uh, and thanks for the call, Mitch. I also believe that um, De- Marcus Mariota is somebody now that he has a year under his belt here with the Raiders, um, absorbing the offense, understanding you know uh, everything that's going on, and again, you know. Um, Marcus Mariota coming to the Raiders the way he did last year without an offseason. Um, the John Gruden offense is not the easiest to learn on the fly like that. Um, if I'm a Raider fan, I'm pretty excited that Marcus Mariota now has a year under his belt and then some in this system because I think, I don't know this for sure, but I would have to believe that now that he does have a better command of this offense, I would think that at some point there's going to be something written into the game plan that includes a Marcus Mariota in order to take care, take advantage of the you know skill set that he brings to the table. Um, you know, we've talked about so much how the Raiders in the red zone didn't score as many touchdowns as they wanted to. Um, you wonder if Marcus Mariota can help every once in a while in that area of the field with his ability to, to run it and be a threat, uh, a dual threat, uh, in addition to, to being able, able to throw it. I know, and Lincoln uh, Kennedy and I have talked about this on and off the air, um, you don't want to lose Derek Carr in the process, but there's examples across the NFL, Drew Brees being one of them, where it worked, where an established quarterback understood the importance of having somebody behind him that could come in situationally to add an element that Drew Brees didn't bring uh, to the Saints. And so Taysom Hill uh, would come in, and and the the Saints have been pretty effective, uh, were pretty effective doing that. If somebody like a Drew Brees, a future Hall of Famer, um, can get over that hurdle of, Nobody wants to come off the field, let's be honest. No quarterback wants to come off the field. Every quarterback, Tom Brady <laughs> saying what he said, thinks that they're the best option and think that when they're in the red zone, they want to be on the field and nobody else need need apply, right? But um, that's understandable, and we get that. But for the good of the team, sometimes – if you have a Marcus Mariota who could put a little bit of pressure on a defense in a certain way and maybe change things up on the fly to be able to better take advantage of some of those trips down uh, into the red zone and maybe some of those uh, short yarded situations, why not? You're, you're, um, you're, you're paying him. He's a good quarterback. He's got skills. He showed that against the Chargers that he can still play. If I'm John Gruden, I am definitely writing in some packages for Marcus Mariota this year, especially now that he's healthy, especially now that he's got a year and plus, year plus under his belt. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Tabahara.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. So what do we think, everybody? The Phoenix Suns punched their ticket uh, to the NBA Finals tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers. <sighs> Tough to see the Clippers coming back from a 3-1 hole without Kawhi Leonard. Um, looks like um, uh, Zubic, their uh, their center, former Laker, um, is not playing today with a, uh, a knee injury. Man, what tough luck for the Atlanta Hawks yesterday, uh, losing Trey Young now uh, with a, uh, a foot injury, stepped on the foot of a referee. Just some weird injuries this year um, across the NBA, and I think that one was just a fluke. But so many others, you wonder if uh, the condensed season, trying to squeeze as many games into a shorter period of time as the NBA did. I understand that um, you know they wanted to try to, uh, uh, to make up for a lost revenue last year uh, due to COVID-19. Um, get it. Totally understand it. But, you know, from the beginning, it was going to put some players uh, at, at risk trying to squeeze that many games in. And I think that we've seen the effect of that. I mean, it could – maybe there isn't a correlation uh, between all the injuries that we saw in the NBA uh, and the kind of schedule that they tried to play this year or, or did play this year, but – I mean, at some point, common sense prevails, right? And you're starting thinking, well, it's just too much of a coincidence. It's just like left and right. I was watching, um, you know, the games over the weekend, just thinking to myself, it really is, besides besides Giannis from from uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, the star power, and no disrespect to anybody, but the superstar power right now seems more like the B-list than the A-list. You know, when you don't have Steph uh, and you don't have Clay and you don't have, um, you know, LeBron James and you don't have, um, you know, Kevin Durant, you don't have the biggest stars in the game at this stage. I mean, when was the last time that there was a finals without LeBron or Steph? Right to me, they're the probably the two best players in the game when everything is right, um, when they're healthy. Can we? I, I I'm, I'm thinking when the last time that might have been, um, and before that, it would have been the Sacramento or the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan, uh, Ginobili, and Tony Parker, and uh, you know definitely a younger Kawhi uh, at that point. Prior to that, it was Kobe, right, and the and the Lakers. Um, LeBron and, you know, uh, and, and Wade and those guys. And, you know, uh, so it's just like that superstar level because of the injuries um, has just, it's it's been decimated. No KD, no Kyrie, no LeBron, no Anthony Davis, no Steph Curry. Um, uh, it's it, You're down to, you know, Paul George, who to me is a, is a when it comes to the superstars. Playoff P. He's a he's a B list guy, right? He's not he's not you know he's not one of the super superstars. Um, like if he was an actor, Devon, who would Paul who would Paul George be? Ooh, that's a good one, ah man, because he's definitely going to be somebody. He's not A list, but you know he's in a lot of movies. He'd be a good that guy. I'm really trying to think of who would a Paul George be. 
I mean, who's him? the? Uh, he's not <laughs> Bradley Cooper. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Is that? Is that? Yeah, Bradley Cooper's too high, man. Bradley Cooper's too high. Yeah, I'm thinking that he was, might be a little bit too high as well. Um, you know, uh, you know, because you got your Brad Pitts, you got your all your 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 main main. You know um, what? You know, I've seen Denzel. You know, and yeah, you've that? seen The Hangover, right? Oh yeah. Uh, if you're if you're like huge into comedy, you ha- you have Ed Helms. He was Stu in The Hangover, but I feel like Ed Helms. He's always a guy like he was in The Office with like Steve Carell. They both were on The Daily Show, but at different love that times. Show, yeah. It's always like the you're not Steve Carell, but man, Ed Helms is funny. But nobody's gonna like Ed Helms isn't gonna star in something the way Steve Carell will. I know it's not like like matinee movie idol looks like that type of actor. Right, but it's right. Just like when it comes to comedy, where it's like, oh, he's funny. But, you know, just, yeah, we're talking about like box guy. office, somebody that you know is going to deliver, right? It's going to be a good movie if you go and 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 people are going to go watch. You know, um, I don't know, but but you know, and and Devin Booker, you know, he's kind of like the the young up and coming guy, but you know. Um, you know, short of um, um, uh, uh, mass injuries, right? Does Devin Booker ever? You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's kind of there a little bit. Well, I mean, they've. Pro- I mean, sometimes you just got to beat who's in front of you in the Phoenix Suns. No, no, of course, of course. But let's be realistic. I don't think that the i i think with a i think with a healthy Kawhi, I don't think the Phoenix Suns beat the beat the Clippers. I don't think they. I certainly don't think that they beat the Lakers with the with the healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron and you know everyone else that was. You know the Lakers beat them what twice was it? Did they win two games in that series? One was they they just they just mopped the floor uh, with them. I think that the, a healthy Laker team beats this Phoenix Sun teams. I think a healthy Golden State Warriors team beats these Suns. I think um, probably a healthy Clippers team um, should right beat these beat these Suns. So you know, um, and like Atlanta, a healthy a healthy. Uh, you know, KD and Kyrie and Jay. Let's not let's not let's not forget James Harden was not nearly himself in the playoffs. A healthy Brooklyn Nets is the best team in the East, right? Without a doubt. Okay, and definitely they're better than the Atlanta Hawks. Maybe I guess maybe it's a good it's a good um, series between the um, um, you know between the Milwaukee Bucks. And the and the Brooklyn Nets, but I think that the Brooklyn Nets are talent wise just the best team in the in the East. So, but you know, and and if you if you if you look through the history, every so once every once in a while there will be a year like this where, like, if you look back and you go, "Wow, how did that team make the finals?" And I'm talking even in the even in the you know seventies and the eighties, it was always Magic Bird, Doctor J. Or um, Isaiah and the and the and that and that Detroit team. Those are the teams that won the championships. It was the it was the Lakers, the Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Sixers had like Moses Malone, Dr. J, Maurice Cheeks, um, but Vinny, Andrew. I'm looking up an article because you made me think of this because we're, we're talking about these injuries. But Tom Habistro, like well, for NBC Sports, he did like a list of every champion that has an asterisk next to his name, and you oh. know how many teams have an asterisk next to their championship. For the NBA, yes. Well, I, I'm he sure gave, some people are saying last year was an asterisk. One. No, he put it on every single, and he put like a little blurb, just like a nice little paragraph or two about each. How you can 
if you want to not, not like contort yourself to be a contortionist to like maybe try to discredit a team, but if you just want to look at facts, just about every team in, in any given season, you can put how their championship is an asterisk. Oh, I, I mean, I, I'd have to look at that article, but it's hard for me to believe you could say that about any of the Bulls teams, Lakers teams, Celtics teams, Detroit, and Philadelphia teams that won championships. And then the Spurs with Duncan and those guys. And the, I, yeah, it's, it's, I think in basketball, it's usually the best team wins, man. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really is like that. And you're usually going to play the best, but like the best team. There's really no fl- getting to the NBA finals is really really hard and there's and and winning it is even harder there's no that i can think of flukes even the listen uh, in 1989 the lakers are going for three peat okay they swept the western conference playoffs into the finals they had magic johnson uh, orlando woolridge michael cooper creo dul jabbar i mean the whole team it was stacked they swept they didn't lose a game in the western conference playoffs right the night before Game one, the Lakers are practicing, and the last drill of the last practice before game one starts, Byron Scott, who I think was an all-star that year or close to it, goes down with a hamstring injury. All right, So before game one, the Lakers are without Byron Scott. Okay, In, I want to say game one, Magic Johnson goes down with a hamstring injury. It was game injury. three. I think he tried to play again in game two or something along those lines, but couldn't. And so he was out. So it was like Tony Campbell and Michael Cooper were but Vinny, the guards. What about the year before, see, that's why every championship has an asterisk. In '88, Isaiah Thomas hurt his ankle in yeah, game six. Yeah, but the Lakers, and, the Lakers are still saying, favored. I'm saying, like, I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah, I like know. The year before, I get what Isaiah you're Thomas saying. was I, barely I, able to play in game seven. Yeah, so I, was like, I get oh, what you're Isaiah saying. Was, but the Lakers they were that title going, a year sooner. The Lakers were going for their second straight championship against against the uh, Pistons that year. And and so they were favored to win that. And they did win it. And yes, Isaiah did get hurt. He did come back uh, and play. But no doubt, no doubt, um, that helped. It certainly helped. I, I wouldn't say that that should be an asterisk. And I wouldn't say that even with the with the, with the the Pistons because they ended up coming back and winning the next year uh, championship. And um, the next year after that, they won. So they were worthy champions. I don't think they won three straight. Or maybe they did. I had to look to see if they won three straight. But anyway, this year, without question, this is the one year where you can say, like, this was a, a, a weird, fluky kind of year. I like it because I think, um, you know, somebody to see somebody like a Devin Booker or Chris Paul who's put the time in win a championship, that would be great. I'd love to see that would be great. Um, I don't, without Trey Young, I don't see the Hawks now getting past the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't mind Giannis. I think he's a fantastic, uh, wonderful player uh, for the NBA. But it just shows you that the the star power right now is it's it, it feels like a film festival where none of the great pictures of that year are in the film festival. It's just a bunch of really good, very good guys, you know, uh, actors and movies, but not. It's definitely not the A-list, but still, I'm enjoying the heck out of it and uh, looking forward to tonight's game, the Suns uh, against the Clippers. want to say thanks to uh, all the callers. Always appreciate it. want to say thanks to Sam Gordon um, uh, for being a guest and uh, sharing his insight on where the Raiders right now and where the Aces are right now. I uh, want to say thanks to uh, Devon Cotton for making this sound great uh, and doing everything that he does. Uh, we're back at it tomorrow, one more day, 3 to 5, p- uh, 3 to 5 p.m. Uh, go Aviators. They're on right after we get off. Uh, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, 3 to 5, in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.